You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Too far into anything, here's my PSA to parents. As a parent myself, uh, as a parent who has had children um, hang out with me in service, um, I want you to know that the noise and the wiggles and the attention or inattention is all welcome here. Your kids are a gift to us. Thank you for sharing them with us. Thank you for letting them squeak and uh, you know, hit your brother. Don't hit your brother. But if you are afraid of disturbing someone around you, that is a them issue. And I will be ready to talk to them. So... <laughs> Also, um, Penny, Raina, oh my gosh, you guys, great job, great job. I also don't want to follow you, so. <sighs> well, with that said, uh, I'm just going to be really, really honest with you. This one was a toughie for me. Every time I sat down to get my thoughts out, I struggled to articulate the beauty and the connection that I saw I struggled to adequately adequately express what I felt. This might not be groundbreaking information, uh, but I don't usually struggle to feel silence, if you know what I mean. It's not every day that I experience something new and surprising, something that hits me deeply true in a text that I'm studying. I'm not always taken aback by how scripture hits It doesn't always stir something in me. I'm guessing the same might be true for you. Sometimes it feels like a chore. So the addition of awe and gratitude for the times when it does hit me somewhere deep makes it very difficult to share. Not because I don't want you to know what I have learned, but because it is extra, extra vulnerable to teach what I am being taught. And while leaning into the practice of vulnerability and self-disclosure is how I try to operate in the world as a person and as a pastor, it is fresh, fresh, fresh for me this morning. So thank you, UBC, for being a place where I can stand and share, and I will do my best not to lay in bed tonight and kick myself knowing that this is also being recorded. With that said, I'm excited to spend our time together in a space that we cultivate together, a space we tend to together, a space where we get to talk about God's presence among us in the waters of our lives and on the dry ground. Dry ground is this theme that is woven through Genesis, Exodus, Joshua, Judges, 2 Kings, and Isaiah. It is always accompanied by God's presence. It is always paired with provision. Every time I've read the story of the parting of the Red Sea, every time I read the story of the crossing of the Jordan River, I have been intrigued by the specific language of dry ground. It is intriguing, at least I think in part, because God's intervention is so often associated with water in the Old Testament particularly in the early life of the Israelites. Exodus records how the waters of the Nile turned to blood 
when Pharaoh would not release God's people at Moses' request. The Red Sea parted to provide safe passage for God's people at, as they fled their overlords, the Egyptians. God brought water from a rock, not once, but twice, Exodus and Numbers, to sustain the nation of Israel as they wandered in their wilderness. Now the waters of the Jordan River pile up. They pile up and they are cut off so that the Israelites may pass safely through it to the land where they will settle. We have no such power, do we? It would be super dope if we could manipulate water. Jeremy and I bought a house that is in need of some serious love. We'll just put it that way. Day two, we gutted the downstairs bathroom so that we could start from scratch. I'll just let you imagine what would require a bathroom to be gutted. We've been in our house for a month as of today. And over the last couple of days, we have started to rebuild. Yesterday, Jeremy tried to remove the old pedestal sink that has been there probably since the inception of the house just to discover that despite turning off the water, it still leaks at the taps. We can't even make our plumbing behave, yet alone halt the flow of a body of water. And here again, God has pressed pause on the order and functionality of nature. To what end? So that the nation of Israel may experience the security of a moment of dry ground. What does dry ground mean to you and to me today? Where can we find a firm footing? How do we manage it? What do we do with it when we have it? How do we bring it back when we've lost it? There are several things that this concept holds for me as I think through the dynamics of water and of earth. It brings to mind the times where I have felt the very safest in my life and the feelings of fear that that safety would be taken from me. Blame my Enneagram number, blame my trauma, blame my insecurities, but I am a waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of gal. When I consider the times I have watched the water pile up, when I have felt like the sea before me has split, when I feel the goodness of dry ground underneath my feet, I recognize I did so knowing, knowing that the waves would eventually crash back in. The mud would form again. There was a high likelihood that I would be swept up in the chaos that followed. Dry ground can feel like such a rarity in our lives and one that seems to require outside intervention and provision. As many times as I have tried to cultivate and claim safety and security for myself, I just seem to miss it by an inch. At this point in the narrative of the Israelites, they had just endured yet another great loss. Moses had died. 
a new leader was put in his place. Moses was instrumental as an intermediary for God. I can only imagine how disorienting and frightening and angering it was to lose him. The Israelites had spent 40 years banished into the wilderness of the ancient Near East. And finally, finally, their sentence was up and God was leading them to their future home. But as so often in our own lives, that leading was not what they had envisioned. It was without the one to whom they had turned when their needs went unmet, when their conflicts could not be resolved, when they weren't quite sure how to celebrate what God might be doing among them. Joshua, Moses' protege, was embarking on this journey with them in Moses' place. And God wanted to ensure the Israelites knew that God was with Joshua as God had been with Moses. That is a hard concept when we cannot lay our eyes on God. We know in retrospect that there was goodness waiting for the Israelites. Goodness with Joshua at the helm. And God wanted to give this nation a glimpse of that. As I think about my own story and my own circumstances, I can't help but wonder if the Israelites trusted that little glimpse or not. I wonder if after decades of hurt and wandering and the loss of their leader, the Israelites were simply tired, burnt out, confused, angry, bitter, or perhaps even worse, ambivalent. I wonder if they were waiting for the shoe to drop, for the river to resume its course and sweep them downstream. This nation was not the same one who had watched God's intervention at every turn. The reason they were untethered in the wilderness was because God had tried to bring them to the place that was to be their home and they refused to go. Side note, that is a very simplified version of a very complicated narrative that is made even more complicated by the tragedy and loss in Gaza. But for today, suffice to say, God determined that it would be the next generation that would walk into the homeland of the Israelites. Those who had experienced God's intervention firsthand were gone. So I have such hope and admiration for our upcoming generations because they get to do something that some of us don't. Now this generation, they had the stories of those who had come before. That's what they had. They had stories interpreted by their parents and their grandparents, stories of a God who seemed quite kind one day and punitive the next stories that perhaps reflect more about the person who told them than about the nature of God themselves. Stories about rescue and genocide and strange bread that showed up on the ground and fire and smoke and stone tablets and plagues. That same God, the God who might be safe and who might not be safe, had just brought them to the bank of the Jordan in its flood stage 
and said, step in. I wonder if they trusted this God and this leader. I wonder how they could have. I wonder if they were so much more evolved and capable to do the thing that I myself struggle to do every single day. I wonder if the shoe was going to drop. And here's the thing about dry ground, about these moments in our lives when things feel safe and settled and good. And it's a really, really sucky thing. It doesn't last. Dry ground is not permanent. It's not permanent for us. It was not permanent for them. Dry ground is a respite. Dry ground is reprieve from the very real pain that exists in this world in large supply. Dry ground is found deep. It's buried, buried under water and mud, fallen trees, sharp rocks, all things that work hard to keep us from accessing it. Dry ground is not a guarantee and it can be very, very, very difficult to see the walls of water on either side of us and to try to take a moment and breathe and appreciate the break. So how do we do that? How do we know that those moments of impermanence, those fleeting moments of security are somehow good and somehow stolen from us at the same time? How do we cultivate a presence of mind when we are in a season of goodness and rest, knowing that that is what it is, a season? Here's what I'm learning. Here's the hard part. UBC has been one of the single greatest gifts of my life. Coming here felt like coming home. And I am in awe of how good Waco has been to our family already. I am blown away by the love and care you have shown us. I am in a season of dry ground right now. And I struggle to take a breath because I am afraid of the water that had to pile up to allow for us to be here now. And both are true. It is hard for me not to overanalyze the conversations I have. It is hard for me to be willing to listen to one of my sermons because I'm afraid I'm gonna find out that I said something I shouldn't have. It is hard for me to lay in bed at night and not wait for all of this to go away. I wanna be 100% transparent and build relationships that are based on authenticity and mutual trust and understanding. And I know I'm kind of weird. I wanna be open and vulnerable and available. And I also worry at nearly 40 years old that I'm not gonna fit in that people will get to know me and not want me around anymore. I fear that I moved my family across the country 
just to watch this incredible community dematerialize right before my eyes. Dry ground is precious and it is a gift and it carries responsibility. Dry ground is so precious precisely because it is so fleeting. And what I am learning is that my most faithful response, perhaps your most faithful response that we can offer before God in the midst of a season of sweetness is to trust it, to trust that it is a gift, to enjoy it as much as we can, to allow it to strengthen us for those moments where we don't feel like we can breathe. So here's my commitment. I'm going to do everything I can to stop focusing on the potential of the other shoe dropping in my life. I am going to try to allow dry ground to be the base from which I see the world. I am going to attempt to view God's provision for me in my life as a place of safety and to lean in when I feel scared instead of pull away or lose sleep. God brings us to these moments where the rush of water and life are paused. If you have been hurt in the past, it can be impossible sometimes to see them for what they are. Gracious acts of love meant to remind us of God's presence in our lives. I have heard and carried enough stories over the years to know that churches are a place of great healing and intense wounding. And as I have sat with my own feelings of uncertainty, I realize I am carrying those things with me here. If you find yourself in a similar place today, if you have discovered something or someone or somewhere good, and you don't quite know how to enjoy or trust it, I'd like, you to in, I'd like to invite you to consider the one who brings good things into our lives. I'd like you to consider the character and the nature and the imminence and the sweetness and the intimacy of God. Time and time again, God removed water and mud and rocks and sticks to give the Israelites sure footing through a treacherous season. It was a promise to them. It was a promise of God's presence backed up by the ability to alter reality and the course of nature in favor of those whom God desired to reassure. It is scary. It is incredibly risky. And oh my gosh, you guys, it is so vulnerable. It is so vulnerable, but I would invite you to consider taking the breath in the midst of sweetness. If you are somewhere else, if instead of dry ground today, you are standing in the water, if you are waiting for God to absorb the pain before you and bring you into a place of rest, you are not alone. 
like the Israelites, you are surrounded by a community who wants to be in this with you. You will find people in this room who are tired. You will find people who have a hard time trusting. You will find people who want to make their way back to dry ground and just don't know how. Lean into one another because we will all be there at one point. Stand on the bank of the river together today. See if God is who God promises to be. The gift and the frustration of this life is that it is always changing. I can't guess at what my tomorrow looks like, even if I pulled up my calendar. Sometimes we live into the seasons of dry ground. They catch us up. We didn't see it coming. And sometimes we are battling inside the water. Sometimes we are fighting for life and breath. Wherever you are this morning, whether you are struggling to trust beauty and goodness after a legacy of hurt, whether you're gasping for air in hopes of finding some breath, God is standing with you. And so is this community. We are not exempt from the heartbreaks of this life, but we are never outside of the love of the one who heals and holds us tightly. UBC, may we fully lean into the precious provision and gifts of God. May we tune our hearts to recognize and relish dry ground. May we draw those who are battling the waves closer and closer inward. And may we find the hope that in everything, there are seasons. Amen. It's our practice to share some communal silence, to allow the spirit to come, speak to us, remind us, uh, correct something I have said incorrectly. So as we practice that together, may we do so united in the love of the one who loves us.